Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening, John Berman here in for Anderson. A late-day surge of developments. CNN has confirmed that a new cabinet secretary has threatened to quit after being berated by the president. We have a brand new CNN poll out about the Mueller investigation, a huge spike in the number of Republicans who say the president should not testify. But we begin in low places. A comment from a White House official about Senator John McCain that is at a minimum insensitive, quite possibly flat out odious. President Trump himself has a long checkered history when it comes to the Arizona Republican who survived five years as a prisoner of war. The president once questioned whether he was a war hero, saying, quote, I like people who weren't captured. And as we all know, tonight the senator is at home in Arizona battling brain cancer. Let's get the very latest tonight from the White House, CNN's Jeff Zeleny. Jeff, walk us through what happened here. Well, John, it is clear that, uh, you know, the president uh, sets the tone at the top at this White House here. And one of his lower level uh, staffers, her name is Kelly Sadler. She was on a phone call with Republican spokespeople on Capitol Hill earlier today. And they were talking about something Senator McCain had just done. He sent out a statement earlier this week opposing the nomination of the CIA director, Gina Haspel. He said he does not believe that someone who has that history in the program of waterboarding and other kinds of torture should leave the CIA. So the White House was in uh, sort of some defense mode there. So in a conference call with Republican press secretaries and others, this staffer said he's dying anyway. Of course, a comment like that quickly spread across Washington, given the respect that Senator McCain has. Uh, So then it essentially blew up from there. The White House uh, apologized and said we respect his service. But, John, just a few moments ago, we heard from Cindy McCain, Senator McCain's wife, of course, who sent out this message on Twitter. Let's take a look. She's addressing it directly at the White House staffer there. She said, may I remind you, my husband has a family, seven children and five grandchildren. Uh, Simple words there, sparse words, but a tough message indeed. Uh, Talking to a few uh, uh, friends and allies of Senator McCain this evening, John, they remind me that he's still creating waves and still working hard, even though he's out in Arizona, because he... Uh, announced his opposition to Gina Haspel, that created a whole stir here, which of course led to this. But in a uh, town of disgusting comments, I think this ranks pretty high up there, John. You know, Jeff, you said the White House responded. Was that an apology? John, I wouldn't exactly say it's an apology, but let me read it to you and uh, people can make their own judgment here. It said, we respect Senator McCain's service to our nation and he and his family are in our prayers during this difficult time. But they did not uh, walk it back or say that, um, you know, she was misquoted. They said that, you know, she was not intending to be malicious. Talking about someone's brain cancer uh, in this respect sounds fairly malicious to me, John. That's not an apology. Uh, you know, that statement it's was not. definitely not an apology. And I had, did, had not known 
The comment was made to Republican press secretaries, which does explain how it got out so quickly. Jeff Zelny, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Amazingly enough, that insult from the White House staffer was not the only attack on the Arizona senator today. During an appearance on Fox Business News, a former Fox News military analyst named Thomas McInerney said that Senator McCain opposed the nomination of Gina Haspel to be CIA director because torture worked on him. Listen to this. The fact is, is John McCain, it worked on John. That's why they call him Songbird John. Charming. Joining me now with the details of this remark, CNN's Brian Stelter. Brian, who is this guy who made that statement? Yeah, McInerney was once the number three commander of the Air Force. He served several tours of duty in Vietnam and other Southeast Asian countries. More recently, he's known as a Fox News paid military analyst. He was on the payroll until last year. So today, he was on the air just as a guest. His recent political views do deserve a lot of scrutiny. Uh, he raised doubts about Barack Obama's birthplace, actually just like Trump did. And he endorsed Trump in 2016. If you remember that event where Trump came on stage and renounced birtherism and said he knew Obama was American, McInerney was there. So maybe they both had a change of heart. But birtherism is not the only conspiracy theory that McInerney's promoted. He also promoted this conspiracy theory about McCain. And that's all it is. It is a baseless lie that was first brought up in 2008 during the presidential campaign. Back then, PolitiFact called it a pants-on-fire lie, saying there's no evidence at all to support the claim that McCain helped the enemy at Vietnam. On the contrary, as most of us know, he's an American hero. Yeah, it's a very important history. I encourage everyone to check out PolitiFact. Also, look at McCain's biographers who explained exactly what happened and note that John McCain never gave anything of value to the North Vietnamese. Has Fox commented all about this? Yes, sort of. The anchor, Charles Payne, says he didn't hear the comment this morning. He didn't hear McInerney say it because a producer was talking in his ear. Now, whether you believe that or not, here's the rest of what Payne said. I, in fact, have very high respect for Senator McCain's lifetime of service and sacrifice to this nation. Those reprehensible comments do not reflect how I feel or how this network feels about Senator McCain. And they're saying the network does not support the comments. Now, McCain's friends, I think we should be honest about this. They are measuring their time left with their friend in days and weeks, not in months or years. Hopefully they're all wrong. Hopefully McCain will be with us here years from now. But he has a book coming out later this month, an HBO documentary coming out later this month. He views this, these documents as his final words, his final messages to the public. So I have some advice for McInerney. He should set his DVR, watch the HBO documentary. Mm -hmm. He has a lot to learn about John McCain. Uh, I will note that 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 was an apology uh, from the Fox business anchor right there. And he did note the network did not stand behind the comments either. Right, Brian Stelter, thanks very much. I appreciate it. As we have noted, insults from President Trump lobbed at Senator McCain. Not new to refresh your memory. This is a brief look back. He hit me. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. Five and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. And except for one senator who came into a room at three o'clock in the morning and went like that, we would have had health care too. We would have had health care too. We got a bad vote the evening that we were going to terminate Obamacare. We got a bad vote. You know about that, right? That was not a nice thing. We actually had it beaten except for one vote. You remember that beautiful night? It was, it was defeated, but one vote changed. Joining me now to discuss Paul Begala and Jim Schultz, you know, Paul, politics is politics. Right. But it doesn't matter he's dying anyway when John McCain, as everyone knows, is in Arizona right now at home battling brain cancer. Where's the line between, you know, politics and human decency? 
Well, there's no decency in a comment like that, obviously. Uh, It's one thing to argue over whether Gina Haspel should run the CIA. Reasonable people can differ. Reasonable people, good people, don't say things like that. Now, why did this aide say it? She's just a dust speck in in American body politic, right? It is, as Zelani points out, because the president sets the tone. And once norms are shattered, it's very difficult to put them back together. You know, I worked for a president who gave the Medal of Freedom to his opponent from the campaign of 1996, Bob Dole. Why? Because Dole deserved it. They didn't agree about politics, but Dole's an American hero. Uh, We need to find a way to get back to that, but this president makes it very, very difficult. Uh, It it is, people should know, by the way, can I just quickly, what exactly Senator McCain endured? He he was shot down over North Vietnam. Both his legs and his right arm were broke. I'm sorry, his right leg and both his arms were broken in the crash. He still can't lift his arm completely over his head. He can't comb his own hair. To this day, as when he landed, he was stabbed. Uh, he was beaten. Later, his captors found out his father was the commander of the Pacific Fleet, a very powerful admiral. And so they said, you're, you're free to go. Alone among our POWs, John McCain had the key to his own cell. He could leave at any time he wanted, but he wouldn't do it because the code of honors of POWs is first in, first out. So he was tortured for resisting, more than most. And, and so what he endured for our country... He endured unspeakable torture, and he is an American hero. I don't agree with his politics, but that's not the point. To say something like that about a man who's given this much for his country is just beneath contempt. Jim, Kelly Sandler should not have been saying this, correct? Absolutely not. Uh, John McCain is a, is, a, is a war hero. He's a hero. He, he, the, the sacrifice that he made get, and, and those like him have made give us the freedoms that we enjoy. And we have to respect that. And beyond that, there's a certain decency associated with someone that's dying of cancer that may be dying of cancer to their family, to their friends and the loved ones. You just have to be sensitive. It was certainly an insensitive, inappropriate comment um, that she's probably going to regret. And I would hope that she does regret. That being said, you know, it's I think it's okay to criticize Senator McCain for his views on health care. It's okay to criticize Senator McCain for his views on Gina Haspel's candidacy to CIA. We can disagree on that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's what politics is all about. And it's okay to play hardball politics with that. It's just not okay to be insensitive and to make it personal. Can't the White House say, I'm sorry? Why hasn't the White House come out and Look, said, I'm the, sorry? The White House said that, that, they're, that the family is in their prayers. And I disagree with the fact that this, this is something that rolls downhill from the president himself. This was someone that, that made an off-the-cuff comment in a meeting. This is not something that she was hearkening back to 2015 and saying, okay, it's okay to say these kinds of things. I don't think President Trump has ever apologized for those initial statements. No, he didn't. And, and again, when in the political realm to get into that personal issue for someone who has, who has you know, suffered for our country, it's inappropriate. There's no question about that. I, I agree with Paul on that. But I also think it's incredibly insensitive to say the president doesn't respect military service. He surrounds himself with military people in his staff and respects their opinions. He does not respect Senator McCain's sacrifice. He, he lied to the country, said he wasn't a war hero. When, by the way, you know, Corporal Bonespur there in the White House, Mr. Trump, took steps to avoid service. John McCain took steps to serve. So this is, I, I just disagree, this is emblematic of our times. Mm-hmm. This is emblematic of the era of Trump. And the challenge for everybody else, decent people in both parties, is not to sink to his level. Reciprocity is so deep in the human soul. But I really admire that the, the McCain family, for example, is conducting themselves with such grace. Let, let me, there's some new bit of reporting into CNN. Let me read this to you. A source close to the situation says Kelly Sadler called 
Meghan McCain today to apologize for the crass remark that she made about Senator John McCain. It's unclear what Meghan McCain's response was, but we are told Sadler apologized to her. Um, that's a start, Jim. Sadler apologizing to the family is a start. A next step would be apologizing in public. A next step would the White House with the White House saying that the comment was inappropriate and apologizing. I still don't get why they simply can't say this was a completely inappropriate comment. We're sorry. She's paid by the taxpayer. As she should apologize to the family. It was an insensitive comment about someone that's dying of cancer and, and someone who served our country well and someone that, you know, if he does in fact die of cancer, will be sorely missed by many. So th- there's no question she should apologize. And the White House, I'm sure, will be critical of her remarks. Well, but no, they can't apologize because Mr. Trump won't apologize. That's the problem. If you, if you fire this woman, which any decent White House would, if, if, you, if she publicly apologizes, which she must, it puts the president on the horns of a dilemma because Donald Trump doesn't apologize for these lies and personal insults. He never apologized to Ted Cruz mm-hmm. for somehow implying that his father was connected to the Kennedy assassination. He, in fact, was asked once, I say this as a person of faith, he was asked, do you go to God with your sins and ask for forgiveness? And he said, well, I, I don't. I don't live a life that requires that. He could not name a single time, even in the quiet of his own soul, he felt like he did something wrong. That, that's the kind of man we have as our president. Just very quickly, Jim, you really don't think that the president has changed the level of discourse? Whether or not it's successful is a different story. But has he changed the level of discourse? Look, there's been vitriol in politics as the right goes for the right, the left goes for the left. You know, there's been all kinds of vitriol back and forth. I don't put that solely upon the president. That was going on long before President Trump came onto the scene. We were heading in that direction. Do you think she should be fired? Do I believe she should be fired? Yeah. I believe she should be reprimanded for her insensitive comments. Someone else can determine whether what that reprimand Not fired, needs though? to be. Someone, that, if you're the chief of staff, you have to make that determination. That's his job Would you to complain make. if she was fired? Would you go on Twitter, Jim, afterwards and say this woman should never have been fired? No, of course not. That's the that's a decision that someone needs to make. By the way, that's a personnel decision that someone the, needs to make. The chief of staff has never apologized for lying about a congresswoman who, who he said completely false things about. He never apologized. To, this is the era of Trump. His people never apologize because uh, uh, that the president doesn't. Well, let's not, let's not act like the Democrats have the high road in all of this. Either. No, human beings do. Homo sapiens do. Right. Decent so, human beings do. And these people are right. beneath that. Okay, there's a political discourse in this country on both sides of the aisle that gets where the vitriol is just over the top. And it's not just Donald Trump. It's, it's not, not just sides. President it's Trump. Equivalency, it's Jim. Not just, I just, that's not right. We've I, never seen you to sit here today like and this. say that, the, you know, all the Democrats, are, none of them conduct themselves in any inappropriate fashion as it comes to. I did, I did not say that. I said this president is sui generis. He's absolutely sui generis unfair. and he is beneath any standards of our lifetime. You could never imagine Ronald Reagan saying this. You could never imagine Barack Obama saying this or Bill Clinton or George Bush. We have never seen a president so loathsome in conducting himself in the, in the public discourse. And now his staff is following suit. Jim, would, would you see Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama make the comment that President Trump made about John McCain as a POW? I, I can't speak for what they'd say in private. Certainly, no one's made that comment that about John, John that McCain public. publicly. And, and, you know, history is history. We, mm-hmm. we know what that is. We know what they've said publicly to, to determine what they may say or what they may think. You know, I'm not All right. We're, we're, we're talking answers. about public comments, not the private comments in this case. But, Jim, I do appreciate you being here, Paul. Thanks for being here as well.
One more bit of reaction. Senator Lindsey Graham, a close friend of John McCain, told Dana Bash of the White House aides' comment, Ms. Sadler, may I remind you that John McCain has a lot of friends in the United States Senate on both sides of the aisle. Nobody is laughing in the Senate. That's from Senator Lindsey Graham. Coming up, Vice President Mike Pence says it's time to wrap up the Mueller investigation. Not only is it not up to him or the president, there are continued signs that the investigation really is nowhere near over. We're keeping them honest. Next. And Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen has reportedly drafted a resignation letter but not submitted it after the president blew up at her at a cabinet meeting. Details from the New York Times ahead. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Tonight we're keeping them honest with the Vice President of the United States, much like a bartender at closing time, saying, OK, folks, it's time to wrap it up here. Only this is directed at the special counsel appointed to investigate Russian interference in the United States presidential election. And instead of a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning, the setting was a United States military base where he and the president were welcoming back Americans who were freed by North Korea. Uh, It's been uh, about a year since this investigation began. Uh, Our administration has provided over a million documents. We've fully cooperated in it. And in the interest of the country, I think it's time to wrap it up. And I would very respectfully encourage the special counsel and his team to, to, to bring their work to completion. So keeping them honest, the vice president was right about at least one thing. It has indeed been about a year since the Russia investigation began. A week from today, in fact, will be exactly one year since Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel. One year. The vice president seems to suggest that's a big deal, that 12 months has some magical investigatory properties, that after one year it all turns into a pumpkin or something. The thing is, it hasn't in the past. The Benghazi investigation, for instance, took two and a half years. Whitewater, eight years and two months until a final report was released. Now we all know where this pressure, or as Pence put it, respectful encouragement to wrap things up is coming from. There's a chorus coming from some Republican lawmakers and led, of course, by one voice. At this point, uh, if anyone is unclear about how the president feels about the investigation, this one's for you. It's a total witch hunt. I've been saying it for a long time. I have this witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. That's all it is. They have phony witch hunts. The witch hunt continues. The entire thing has been a witch hunt. This is a pure and simple witch hunt. So the president is obviously operating the principle that if you repeat something enough times, there are people who will believe it based solely on that repetition. And guess what? It's working. According to brand new CNN polling, at least among one segment of the population, it is working. And we'll have more on that ahead. The president and his supporters can say as much as they want that this should end, that there's no there there. But never forget the fundamental truth about Jedi mind tricks. These are the droids you're looking for. Keeping them honest, when it comes to the Russia investigation, there has already been a significant amount of there there. In just under a year, the Mueller investigation has yielded 75 criminal charges, 22 defendants, five guilty pleas. We don't know where or when it will end, but 
Just two days ago, we learned that the Mueller team questioned a Russian oligarch about hundreds of thousands of dollars in payments that his company's U.S. affiliates made to President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, after the election. A Russian oligarch who was close to Vladimir Putin and who also went to the Trump inauguration. This is an investigation about Russian interference in an American election. There are real questions about our democracy at stake. And as a wise man once said, no one is above the law. That wise man, Michael Richard Pence. After James Comey announced he was reopening an investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. What the decision this week showed is even 11 days before an election, no one is above the law. Again, we don't know what ultimately will come of any of this, but maybe the investigation should wrap up when it's finished, not when the president or the vice president decides it's closing time. So that company we mentioned that paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to Michael Cohen after the election, it's called Columbus Nova, and it is linked to a Russian oligarch, Viktor Vexelberg, who went to the Trump inauguration. Tonight, we're learning even more about that company, a strange turn of events involving the purchase of alt-right domain names. Our senior investigative correspondent, Drew Griffin, joins me now. Drew, we know this company paid Michael Cohen a half million dollars. We know the company has deep connections to the Russian oligarch, Vitel Vexelberg. But what you're reporting tonight is perhaps even more strange. Shortly after Hillary Clinton gave a speech criticizing the alt-right, somebody at this firm, Columbus Nova, started registering alt-right websites? Yes, John, and yes, it is strange. August 25, 2016, here is that speech. This is not conservatism as we have known it. This is not republicanism as we have known it. These are racist ideas, race-baiting ideas, anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant, anti-women, all key tenets making up the emerging racist ideology known as the alt-right Okay, John, within two days after Hillary Clinton said that word all right in that speech, a person named Frederick Entrotter at Columbus Nova registered eight domain names containing the phrase alt right or a variation using alt right. Here they are, all eight of them. Frederick Entrotter is the brother of the company's CEO, and the registrations were being made using a Columbus Nova business account. He's also the cousin of that Russian oligarch. Drew, any idea why he wanted these domain names or how they were used? We got a statement from him tonight. He's saying he purchased these domain names for years with his own money, and he would then try to sell them for profit. On these specific domain names involving the alt-right, the statement says this, he regrets doing this, and that I subsequently thought better of the idea of selling domain names, which obviously now have connotations that are inconsistent with my moral beliefs, goes on to say, so instead of selling them, I left them dormant to let them expire. In retrospect, it was a dumb idea. And I never told my brother or anyone else at Columbus Nova that I had done this. His brother, again, is the CEO, also a cousin with that Russian oligarch. Uh, The domain names, John, never used to build any websites, and they, in fact, have now expired. All right, Drew Griffin, thanks very much. One of the many questions looming over the Mueller investigation is whether the president will agree to an interview and whether he has had to comply or whether he will comply with any possible subpoena. So what is a president to do in that situation depends who you ask, whether it's Rudy Giuliani or Rudy Giuliani. Here he is last weekend. But what happens if Robert Mueller subpoenas the president? Will you comply? Well, uh, we don't have to. He's the president of the United States. So that was Rudy Giuliani. Now, how about Rudy Giuliani then? This is the summer of 1998. Same Rudy Giuliani, different president. 
Bill Clinton was in office at the time and Charlie Rose was still on the air. If the president is asked to testify, subpoenaed to testify before a grand jury and says, no, not going to do it. You got to do it. I mean, you don't have a choice. You got to do it. You don't have a choice. Oh, how times have changed. Join me now, CNN political analyst and New York Times White House correspondent Maggie Haberman and CNN chief political correspondent Dana Bash. Dana, you know, you spoke to Rudy Giuliani today, and I understand just again very recently. Give us an update on your conversations with him. Uh, where do we start, John? Uh, well, first of all, let's just I, maybe start with the news that he broke up uh, with and from his law firm that Maggie and her colleagues at The New York Times broke today. Um, subsequent to that report, or, uh, CNN and I believe The Times as well got a statement from that law firm, Greenberg and Traurig, uh, suggesting that when Giuliani went on Fox last week and talked about the fact that law firms all the time he seemed to say law firms all the time make lawyers all the time make payments for their clients without telling their clients. A spokeswoman for the firm today put out a statement basically saying, uh, no, no, we don't do that. I just spoke with Giuliani, who was um, quite upset, as you can imagine, about the, the notion of them uh, dissing Giuliani so publicly. He argued that, well, when he was talking about in Fox, John, follow this wasn't necessarily making a payment as a lawyer on behalf of a client without telling them. He said he would never do that, and he has never done that. He was talking about signing an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. That's what he said. But more importantly, he's now in a public spat with the law firm that he was officially with until this week. Uh, he told me that um, that the law firm has a lot of good people and a lot of people who hate my client, meaning the president of the United States, and I don't particularly appreciate this. So this is a fleeting story, but it also sort of feeds into the larger issue of Giuliani being the story uh, and and being very much a principal in an area where he is the lawyer to the principal, the president. I, I think this is the cleanup of the cleanup of the cleanup. I sort of lost <laughs> counts here. And, and I don't think it's at all true what the mayor is now saying, that he wasn't talking about payments made by a law firm. We'll go out and check that transcript, but it was pretty crystal clear when he said it. Whether he meant it or whether he was right is a different story. And, Maggie, you've covered Mayor Giuliani extensively for a long, long time. Forever. I mean, yes. he, he's not exactly... Drag <laughs> that out. This is not exactly surgical legal precision, I feel like we're seeing here. Look, so I, I had a, a similar conversation with him to the one Dana had, and one of the things he said to me in the conversation, he was very upset uh, about what his former law firm had said. Um, he also told me he was talking about the NDAs. I, too, would have to go back and look at the transcript. Um, but there is a there is a, a realm where, not knowing what was said there, that, that could have been what he was talking about. Um, he has not been, um, you know, precise in a lot of these television hits. What was interesting is he said to me uh, that he had laid low which, which we've known, but I hadn't heard him say it uh, on the record, uh, he had laid low for the last 18 months or so, uh, basically at the request of his law firm. They did not mm -hmm. want him out there. They were unhappy with the surrogate work that he did for uh, President Trump uh, toward the end of 2016 during the campaign. They did not want him that out there. It was upsetting some uh, of their lawyers. I think it was not just that the lawyers aren't fans of the president, although I do think that's part of it, but uh, clients were getting upset. Uh, he told me that he had had uh, two offers to host radio shows that he had turned 
down and he said that he was happy to be back on television, quote unquote, frankly, I've missed it. So I think he's having fun. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, for all of the reports about how the president's angry and the president's this, you have to remember this is a president who's not so keen on telling people to their face mm-hmm. um, when he's upset. So I think you are seeing a lot of, you know, the president conveying his dismay at certain issues by proxy of staff, I think that the president's staff is very frustrated mm-hmm. by Giuliani, but that's a different issue. Yeah, they is. are. And John, can I just add to that, uh, to, to what Maggie was saying, um, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing, and that is that uh, President Trump right now is distracted with things that he considers pretty big accomplishments yes. or wins on the board. Yep. Uh, what's What happened with North Korea and, and the amazing, amazing story of these three Americans uh, coming home and being released today. And of course, an upcoming summit, which they've now announced the time and the date. Iran, which he thinks is a, a, you know, a campaign promise kept that his base is very happy about, so on and so forth. And so because of that, the things that would normally really send him up a tree yes. and say, you know what, Rudy Giuliani is out of here, uh, like he did with Scaramucci or other people who had been loyal to him, he is not doing right now. And right. Um, and so that that is sort of part of the uh, of the what's going on here. And the other is, as Maggie said, Rudy Giuliani was unfaltering in his loyalty mm-hmm. to yes. Donald Trump throughout the entire campaign, including and especially doing, during the Access Hollywood situation. So, Maggie, just in terms of Robert Mueller, you know, we heard Vice President mm-hmm. Mike Pence say that a year is almost up right. and the year is the magical time when this all, you know, turns into a pumpkin and ends right now. Is there any indication that Robert Mueller feels the same way or is no. the president's legal team getting any sense that Mueller feels that way? Uh, they have no idea where this is going or where this is going to end. The the, the basic estimation that everybody can make right now uh, is that uh, the Mueller probe will have to be on hold at some point over the summer so that there can be uh, no sense of uh, interfering with politics as we head into the midterms. The, the probe that they remain the most concerned about, again, is the Southern District of New mm-hmm. York probe into Michael Cohen, the president's former mm-hmm. lawyer or current lawyer, depending on what the president wants to say uh, at any given moment. Um, in terms of Mueller, I, I know you played audio of the video of the mayor talking about, former mayor talking about an interview um, for the president with Mueller's team. I, I still think that that's pretty unlikely. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that one of the appeals of having Giuliani for Trump is was ostensibly about, you know, testing whether this could be wrapped up quickly. In reality, mm-hmm. my understanding is that is that President Trump both wanted a big name because he's very frustrated by the um, narrative that he can't hire a lawyer, which has been true, um, but he wanted somebody who people knew. And Giuliani is doing a PR campaign that mm-hmm. the president, mm-hmm. while he might not like all of it, there are aspects of it he does like. And laying the political, gr- political groundwork, perhaps not to testify or for what happens after he doesn't testify, which may be the most important thing they're doing. Correct. And to put stuff out about Michael Cohen's probe as well. All right, Maggie Haberman, Dana Bash, great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thank you. All a blow up in a cabinet meeting. The president berating his Homeland Security secretary over immigration. The New York Times says Kirsten Nielsen nearly quit over this. We're going to speak to the Times reporter who broke the story next. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. The Homeland Security Secretary nearly quit after being berated by President Trump in front of the entire cabinet yesterday. This is according to reporting the New York Times, which says that Kirsten Nielsen has drafted a resignation letter but has not submitted it. Joining me now is Michael Shear of the New York Times, who reported this story. Tell me, how did this unfold and why did Nielsen, I guess, decide not to submit this resignation letter? 
Well, I, we're not sure exactly why she didn't submit it in the end. What, what we know is that it was quite a meeting. This was a regular cabinet meeting. We had a little glimpse at the top of the meeting yesterday, uh, as we normally do when reporters are let in. The president kind of gave a little bit of a hint about what was to come when he sort of described his frustration with the fact that immigration laws hadn't been toughened enough. Then the reporters were let out of the room and the, and the cameras were led away. And, and we're told that at that meeting, which was to talk about immigration, to talk about what the country is doing to close the borders down, that the president just erupted, uh, expressed his frustration about the fact that the laws were uh, not working, that the border was too porous, uh, and that much of his anger and frustration was directed at Kirsten Nielsen, the Secretary of Homeland Security, that the agency that he thinks is most responsible and is most lacking uh, in terms of, of trying to sh- shut the border down, and that um, it, was, it grew so heated and so intense that by the end of the meeting she was incredibly frustrated. She felt like it had all been directed at her and ultimately uh, told associates and, and friends that um, she had uh, considered, uh, was on the verge of resigning and had in fact drafted a, a resignation mm-hmm. letter. It, when I talked to people today, uh, it appeared that, sh- that maybe uh, things had calmed down and that she'd reconsidered. And the folks over at the Department of Homeland Security say she's on the job and intends to stay there, at least for now. So, so Nielsen is a protege of the Chief of Staff General John Kelly. And the president, we've been told, has never really been a giant fan of her. Any sense of why that is exactly? Well, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I think, you know, the president has always been suspicious of people who he views not as sufficiently kind of loyal to his cause. That includes obviously Obama staffers who had been in the previous administration, but it also includes people who were loyal to former President George W. Bush. He views the kind of Bush uh, uh, universe as people who really weren't part of the Trump phenomenon. Uh, Kirsten Nielsen had served uh, for many years in the Bush administration, first uh, in the Department of Homeland Security and in other roles. And so I think that there was that uh, piece of it that he wasn't entirely sure about her. And, and frankly, when she came over, remember, John Kelly was Homeland Security Secretary first and then came over to be chief of staff. He brought her with him to the White House. She served in the White House for a few months, uh, and she didn't make herself any friends there. She was seen as the enforcer, the person who limited access uh, to President Trump. Um, remember all of the staff that used to go in and out of the, uh, the Oval Office sort of whenever they wanted? She was kind of Kelly's enforcer in that, um, and that r- rankled him as well. Is this the first time that the president has had a clash like this with Nielsen? No, I think I think part of what happened here was that this was the culmination of a lot of weeks of building frustration. The president, we're told several weeks ago, um, had been in series of meetings, both telephone conference calls as well as in-person meetings that included Secretary Nielsen, you know, essentially going through the same issue, expressing his frustration that uh, the laws aren't tough enough, the immigration laws, and he you know, he expressed that to her before. This was just a more intense version of it and in front of the entire cabinet. All right. And she's still on the job as of tonight. Michael Shear, great reporting. Great so to far. have you with us. Thanks so much. So far. Still to come, new polling on how President Trump and special counsel Robert Mueller are handling the Russia investigation. We're going to break it down with feedback from Republicans, independents and Democrats. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved. 
and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. More breaking news. New CNN polling just released on the Mueller investigation. A majority of Americans has a negative view of how President Trump is now handling it, which is 31% approving of his actions, 55% disapproving. Meanwhile, overall, Mueller is failing better, faring, faring better in the court of public opinion. 44% approve of the way he's handling the investigation, 38% disapprove, 18% are unsure. But look at how the numbers shift when you break it down by party affiliation. Republicans now give Mueller just a 17% approval rating. That's down 12 points since March. Among independents and Democrats, there hasn't been much of a shift. As for whether President Trump should testify under oath if asked by Mueller, that stands at 39% for Republicans, down double digits since March. And again, little change from independents and Democrats. Only 28% of Republicans say Mueller should subpoena President Trump if he won't speak with investigators. That rises to 63% for independents and climbs to 92% among Democrats. Joining me now to talk about the numbers and the timing of all this, uh, former Republican Senator, CNN senior political commentator Rick Santorum and CNN chief legal analyst, former federal prosecutor Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey, I just want to start with what the vice president of the United States said today. It's time to wrap it all up. Uh, Twelve months in next week to the Mueller investigation. Time to wrap it all up. Is there a, a, a clock ticking on this? Well, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't think what, what Mike Pence said, there was anything wrong with it, to be honest. I mean, you know, I think he, he was expressing a feeling that the, this should be wrapped up. I mean, compared to the things that Donald Trump says every day about the Mueller investigation, this was such a mild thing. And, you know, he expressed the desire for to have it wrapped up. I think that's a reasonable desire. I, I just think it's, it's sort of fine, what he said. Um, Senator Santorum, your former colleague, Lindsey Graham, had this to say about it today. That's not Vice President Pence's decision to make. I'm sure Mr. Mueller will wrap it up when it gets time to wrap it up. The only thing I can say is I haven't seen any evidence of collusion. Mr. Mueller has a good reputation, uh, and we'll see what his report says and where he goes. But uh, in the system, you can't have the people being investigated tell you to wrap it up. You know, Senator Santorum, what happened to justice taking its course? You know, I, I don't remember the calls from Republicans during the Whitewater investigation to wrap it up after one year. Well, no, there wasn't. But let's just be honest. The, the intensity of the coverage of this investigation is unmatched. I mean, I, I, I was in the Congress during Whitewater. I, I, and was there in was, journalism. <laughs> I was in journalism during Whitewater and Monica Lewinsky. We did an awful lot. I was on a You'd, charter but, jet back from Cuba. Because of that. It, it, so it there came, was a lot of coverage. It, there was a lot of coverage, but it came in fits and started. This was a long, I mean, Whitewater was a long investigation. And yeah, there were periods where there was a lot of discussion. And then you went months and you never heard anything. I mean, and, and there have been other long investigations by special counsels. It's one of the reasons I don't like special counsels and don't think we should have them. But Anymore. The bottom, you, you didn't then, though. No, well, no, I, I've, I've been against special counsel for, for a long, long time, even before this. Since impeachment, the, since Ken Starr, is, you know, yeah, since President look, Clinton. I, I, I don't think it's, I think, I think we should trust the Justice Department to do its job, and we shouldn't bring people who, frankly, are untethered mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to accountability, in my opinion, in, in, in to do this, and whose job it is to indict somebody. I mean, that you're, you're, when, you, when you put someone in this position, I don't think their job is to get the truth. I think their job is to is to get some get some you know some scalps, and I think that's 
that's just the wrong approach. Having said that, you know, this is only a year investigation. Mm. I understand it's not that long. But if you consider the amount of attention mm. and, and, and the impact that this investigation and the reporting on it has had, it's it's far outweighed its uh, its longevity. I thought you'd take Tubin's comment that what you know the, the, what the vice president said was okay was good and run with it, man. Tubin threw you a bone there, and you, you, well, no, I, and you I, left the city. No, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I, you know, I I, I generally agree right. with with what he that the vice president has a right to say right. what he wants to say, but I, I just think it feels a lot longer than a year. It feels like ten years for for the well, people. That's because we're all that's because we're all getting older. <laughs> Jeff, the other interesting thing of this yeah. is these poll numbers from yeah. Sam, which I really do think are fascinating. Totally. The headline is, it's working. I mean, what the president is doing, to an extent, politically speaking, is working. The Republican support for the Mueller investigation has plummeted. Right. You know, the president has political cover among Republicans if he decides not to testify. This is Donald Trump's political party. I mean, Donald Trump runs the Republican Party, and Republicans agree with most of what he says. The fact that he has been calling this a witch hunt over and over again has has started to affect uh, the poll numbers in a very in a very direct way. And you know, I don't think it's going to affect Robert Mueller. You know, what percent he is in the polls, but I think it is indicative of the political environment, this deeply tribal moment that we're in. Democrats believe an entirely different set of facts than Republicans believe, and that's what's reflected in the in the poll. Senator, smart yeah, politics? I, th- I think it's less about Donald Trump calling it a witch, a witch hunt than it is about all of the other information that's come out, uh, the alternative facts, if you want to say, not, not on the Russia investigation uh, with respect to Trump, but with respect to Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. And I think that's where Republicans are, are parting company uh, with the Mueller investigation, that if, in fact, you know, we're going to look into this, mm-hmm. then why don't you look into to the entire matter uh, and that most people find to have more legal problems than what Donald Trump did. You know, this is, this is so Quick true. I mean, the... Um, if you go to the parallel universe that is Fox News, Hillary Clinton's investigated every night on Fox mm-hmm. News. You know, they are still crazed to see her locked up. And that, I think, is reflected mm-hmm. in um, the, in the in these in the, both this polling and the general political environment in the sure. Republican Party. Notwithstanding the fact, as I believe Rick knows, Hillary Clinton actually lost the presidential election and is a private citizen in Chappaqua. Senator Santorum definitely knows. Senator Santorum, Jeffrey Tubin, thanks so much for being with us. I do appreciate it. So it turns out that Michael Cohen got a lot more money from AT&T, and we'll have that. And with a Republican source saying Cohen was peddling influence, selling his access to the president, sure does seem like what a lobbyist would do. In a moment, I'm going to speak to Jack Abramoff, the one-time king of lobbyists who ended up serving time for his illegal actions. We'll get his take on all this in just a moment. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of, like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. More breaking news tonight. New information about the deal between President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, and AT&T. Washington Post is reporting that AT&T hired Cohen specifically to advise the company on its planned merger with Time Warner, the parent company of CNN. Also, a source tells CNN that AT&T actually paid Cohen $600,000. That's three times the amount first reported. 
And Cohen reportedly had quite a sales pitch. One Republican strategist told us he courted companies by saying, quote, I don't know who has been representing you, but you should fire them all. I'm the guy you should hire. I'm closest to the president. I'm his personal lawyer. As you well know, selling access to power is an old business in politics. And my next guest once dominated the Washington lobbyist circus until his spectacular downfall. Jack Abramoff spent more than three years in prison on corruption, fraud, and other charges. Today, he considers himself an ethics reformer. He joins me now. So, Jack, paying for access in Washington is not new. But Michael Cohen, as the president's personal attorney, not registered as a lobbyist, is that how it's supposed to work? Is that out of bounds? Well, I think there are a couple things going on here. It's a rather complex situation with Michael Cohen. We don't know everything, of course. But the question is, did he actually lobby anybody, which puts him into a different category? Did he get paid to be an advisor, which is another category? The problem is that we have these categories. The fact that Washington is able to sort of get away with this, creating a classification of people who can be paid to, in essence, be lobbyists, but not go lobby and therefore not register. And that seems to be where he's falling. To be a lobbyist, it would have meant he would have had to have gone to the government and pressed for something for Novartis, for AT&T, for Columbus Nova. And we don't know whether he did that. That would be being a lobbyist. However, just being an advisor, again, as a sitting attorney, as a personal attorney for the president, is that okay? Well, you know, in terms of whether or not it's legal or not, I don't know what his ethical requirements are vis-a-vis the uh, the bar and things like that. But, you know, I I think there are two things. One, did he break the law? It doesn't seem to me, at least, that I've seen anything yet to say he's broke the law. This question is, is this right? Is this something that America likes? No, it is not. America does not like to see insiders, in essence, the special interests, shall we say, and their lobbyists get special access. And that may be what he at least was offering for sale to these clients. One of the firms uh, that Michael Cohen worked with was Squire Patton Boggs. He actually had office space in New York there. Um, he, the firm did not have a key to the office. The office was always locked. He used his own computer server that was kept completely separate for the firm. Is there any legitimate reason you can think of why that would be necessary? Well, I don't know whether or not that office was actually a Patton Boggs, Squire Patton Boggs office, or if it was that they made a deal with him, in Mm -hmm. essence, as a consultant, an outside consultant, to be able to be affiliated with that firm. A lot of lobbying firms in Washington, and that's what Squire Patton Boggs Mm -hmm. is, a law firm that has a lobbying shop, a lot of them will bring on people like a Michael Cohen if they have specific access and specific knowledge to work a specific project. Whether or not that was an actual Squire Patton Boggs office, it would be very surprising to me if it were. And if it were, that they didn't have access to it would, in fact, be very shocking. Mm. So, so, Jack, you know every side uh, of this business, inside and out, the good and the bad, frankly. So based on what you know, and you've been looking and reading into it just as much as we have the last 24 hours, we don't know everything. But based on what you see, does it smell right? No, well, again, I don't think it doesn't seem that he's broken laws here. He may have broken laws if he did lobby. Uh, but certainly in terms of what seems right to America and right to the public in general, I don't think people like to see this, which is somebody on the inside cashing in for their inside knowledge. The other thing that people have got to look at is how did all this stuff get out? It's a separate question. I know not our topic, but one that is, I think, troubling people in town more than this one. Right. The bank records of Michael Cohen. How did yeah. they get out? That is a legitimate yeah. question there. Uh, very quickly, Columbus Novo, this American company with ties to this Russian oligarch through this Russian company. 
Is that the type of company that would normally do business trying to get access through someone like Michael Cohen? Well, just we got to be clear. Almost every company in America that has anything to do with federal law needs to get access to the federal government. There's so much that goes on in Washington that affects them. So it is not unusual, again, uh, for any kind of company that has any interface with the federal government to at least be seeking advice what to do, because their very bottom line, their very existence could be destroyed by actions in Washington, D.C. Possible or plausible, I should say, that President Trump did not know that Michael Cohen was pitching himself in this way. I so think it's people. it's probable. I, I don't think from what I've heard from people who are around him, President Trump does not uh, approve of people going out and pitching themselves like this. So I would imagine Michael Cohen probably kept this from President Trump because he would probably have been at the receiving end of a tongue lashing had he told him. Jack Abramoff, great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Up next, the insensitive comment from a White House aide about Senator John McCain, who was at home battling brain cancer. When talking about McCain's opposition to the CIA nominee, the aide said, quote, he's dying anyway. The reaction tonight from the White House and McCain's family when 360 continues. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.